Welcome to the weekly message from Upper Room Community Church in Vaughan. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and provide practical ways to strengthen your relationships. For more information, visit us at upperroom.ca. Thank you so much, Pastor VJ. Delight to be here with you this morning. It's just a delight to see what you're doing, not only here in this community, but throughout the world as well, with people like Lisette Lavoie and uh, Wayne and Catherine, different parts of the world, and you care. And thanks so much for catapulting uh, VJ out our way to Turkey. It was two years ago, and we so appreciate it. And I hear there's a team going from here to the Arabian Peninsula. Is it November? Fantastic. Super. Great job. Spring break. And as we were just looking out the window this morning, I see my neighbor's pool, and it's starting to melt sort of like a little bit. And there's that light coming up, and you think, oh, yeah, one of these days. Our youngest kids are off in Mexico enjoying the water. And it won't be long, perhaps, that some of you young families might take some of your kids and go to some sort of pool park this week, in case you don't know what to do. It's kind of fun. So I remember the first time I took my two sons, I've got three sons, my first two sons, Peter and Jonathan. We were in West Africa. And there we went to this uh, hotel just uh, out in the city of Yamasuko. And I'm sitting in this pool, standing in this pool, and my two sons are standing at the edge. They haven't swum before. And they got those little goggle things, you know, the floppy things, and then the Speedos. Not me. I mean, there. Don't go there. Anyways, uh, there they're standing at the side, and it's about a foot to jump between, uh, from, from, the, uh, from the edge into the water. And I'm looking at them, and I'm thinking, sons, you know, you're Canadian. You're going to have to learn how to swim because holidays are around water. So I say, Peter, John, come on, you can do it. And you just see that little lip start quivering. You know, they're just panicking. Oh, this can't be done. They look at the water. And you look in their eyes, and you say, look at Dad. Don't be afraid. You can do it. And then all of a sudden, you see them muster their courage, and all of a sudden, they jump in. Do you know what I found out that day? If you want the biggest hug from your kid or your grandkid, take them to the pool for the first time. They jump in and hang on to you with all their heart and their might. Now they're there in their mid-teens. We come back to Canada for a little break. We're just north of Kingston, a lake called Bob's Lake. Beautiful lake. There's this cliff 25 feet high, and these young guys, strong of limb and muscled, stand at the top of the cliff. Dad's treading water in the, in the lake. And there they are up at the top. And I said, come on, you guys, jump. It's not that bad. You've got to leap out because it's not exactly straight. You and you'll do it. You can see in their eyes, there's a little bit of fear. <laughs> come on, you wusses, do it! And I'm like, come on, you can do it. And at last, my second son, Jonathan, he starts running and catapults in the air and arms and legs float in flame. Silent scream. Hits that water. All of a sudden, the bubbles come up. Son, where are you? Finally, that head pops up, and there's this sense of elation, joy. I did it. Anybody here ever been afraid? We've got a pretty honest congregation here, Pastor. 2,000 years ago, there was another incident. 
And I read to you from Holy Scripture. Matthew chapter 14, beginning at verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves, because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boats, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, truly, you are the Son of God. Twelve disciples in a boat. They're all afraid. Strong, tough men. They were used to the water. They were used to the wind and the waves. But Jesus says and said, Take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. And Peter says to Jesus, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And elsewhere he says, follow me. Ever seen somebody walk on water during the summer? Peter, that day, was so focused on Christ, and he went. There was one risk taker, there were 11 boat huggers. Peter was scared, the 11 were scared. But what was the difference? For Peter, his fear propelled him to Christ. And the strongest thing in your life this morning, or my, this, my life this morning, is that or who you're focused on. The strongest thing. Only the one who was that risk taker experienced that miracle firsthand. The other 11 never experienced that miracle firsthand. And Peter, all of a sudden he started to look at the waves, the wind. He had been looking at Christ. He looking right in his eyes and did the impossible, walked on that water. 
But then he looks at the things round about him. The obstacles, the problems, the difficulties, and, and everything within him says, it can't be done. This is impossible. And he begins to sink. But immediately, immediately, Peter cries out, Lord, save me. Best prayer you can ever pray. And immediately, not like, I just watch you sink and suffer for... No, immediately Jesus reaches out his hand and catches him. And the two get into the boat out of that seething water. And the wind dies down and the water becomes calm. And they say, who is this man? Even this person that the winds and the waves obey him. Quite a question. Who is his Christ? That beautiful name that we were singing about this morning. John Ortberg in his little book, Who is this man? says this, normally when someone dies, their impact in the world immediately begins to recede. 13 years ago, this world had Bob Hope, Johnny Cash, and Steve Jobs. And now we have no jobs, no cash, and no hope. <laughs> but Jesus inverted this normal human trajectory. Jesus' impact was greater a hundred years after his death than during his life. It was greater still after 500 years, and after a thousand years, his legacy laid the foundation for much of Europe, and after 2,000 years, he has more followers in more places than ever before, and some would estimate, including the economist two months ago, that there are 2.3 billion people that in some way name the name of Christ today. Friends, please do not be Christophobic. Uh, let's see. Is this thing working? Unbelievable. These, these lights, by the way, is not light density in terms of uh, like light. But that's where there's a density of Christian people, followers of Christ. Uh, you're probably seeing in this map better than I do. Uh, these parts of the world, not as much lights. And Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. And he says and invites us to become light in those parts of the world. 2.3 billion people in this world that in some way named the name of Christ. Christ was born in the first century, but he belongs to all centuries. Christ was born a Jew, but he belongs to all races. Christ was born in Bethlehem, but yet he belongs to the whole world. For God so loved the whole world that he gave his only son. Christ, he is the hinge of history. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's God Almighty. He mastered life. He conquered death. He's the son of God. He's the savior of the world. Jesus, light of the world, and he never becomes weary or weak. And he is your best friend. And he says, come, come to me. So friends, what's so unique about Christianity? One person. It's summed up in one name, Christ. If you have Christ, you have it all. William Wilberforce, and we were talking about the slave trade, horrific. But a while back, there was another slave trade 
which was horrific. And as a member of parliament, in the British parliament, right next to the prime minister, he helped abolish the slave trade. But he said this, and it's a quotable quote, he said this, if there is no passionate love for Christ at the center of everything, we will only jingle and jangle our way across this world, merely making a noise as we go. Our present pontiff, in his very first homily in the Sistine Chapel, and I'm not necessarily a, pontiff, uh, a papist or anything like that, but anyways, with all the cardinals around him, in that beautiful Sistine Chapel, he made a very interesting statement, and I quote, If we do not confess Christ, what would we be? We would end up a compassionate NGO. And what would happen? We would be like children building sandcastles by the seashore. And when the tide comes in, all will fall down. And Jesus had a conversation, a conversation that became a defining moment. And that's what I want to speak to you about today. Defining moments, conversations with Jesus. And we all have conversations and can have a conversation with Christ even this very morning. For Christ is as alive today as he was that day walking on the water to Peter and inviting him to get out of that boat. And Jesus said, and he says this morning, my dear friends, Take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. And Peter said to him, and perhaps there's a Peter here, Lord, if it's you, command me. Call me out of my boats, my comfort zone, my insecurities. And Jesus said one word, and we'll say it again today. Come, follow me. His name was Dr. Patrick Kennedy. It was 1957. He did one of these short-term mission trips. You do those here. And he left, well, it was North America. And he took a boat in those days. <laughs> There were no direct flights, and went off to Europe and to the Mediterranean, and then eventually headed up over here to the Arabian Peninsula. And in the Arabian Peninsula, you have seven countries. You have Kuwait, you have Saudi Arabia, you have Bahrain, Qatar, you have United Arab Emirates, Oman, and Yemen. He ended up in the country that we now know as the United Arab Emirates, with cities that now have become somewhat famous, uh, Dubai, Abu Dhabi. He didn't end up in Dubai or Abu Dhabi. Actually, he went to a sub-city in Abu Dhabi called Al Ain, which is right on the border between Oman and the United Arab Emirates. He had visited another clinic before because he was a physician, a pediatrician and an obstetrician of renown. And he wanted to make a difference in his life. He wanted there to be some sort of echo in eternity. And so he went there for, for that short period of time. And he met with the ruler, Sheikh Zayed. 
Now, when he saw that ruler in that little town called Al-Ainan, the reason they go over there, it's a little cooler in summertime, was, was because there was a need. The ruler wasn't living in any great palatial place. They were just Bedou tents, adobe huts, and people had troubles. He finally met with Sheikh Zayed, and Sheikh Zayed said to him, Dr. Kennedy, thank you so much for coming, but we have a problem. What's the problem? Infant mortality, 50%. Not to speak of the mothers, the daughters, and the sisters. Dr. Kennedy, would you come to this place? I know there are not many people that know about this place or about us, the Emiratis. But would you come over here and set up a, a clinic or, or perhaps even build a little hospital, think big, to help our families? Now, Dr. Kennedy was a man who loved Jesus. And that's the reason why he actually went there with the love and compassion of Jesus Christ. And so what happened was, he went back to his adobe huts and started to have another conversation with Jesus. Lord, you've wanted me to come here. Okay, I've come here for two weeks. Now the ruler wants and it would like for us to start a hospital here. <laughs> That's going to take years. Who's got the money for that? Hey, you know, whatever crisis in the world has happened, as long as the media knows about it, well, perhaps we can shake a few trees and get a few shekels to help out, but nobody knows about these people. They're forgotten. Frankly, nobody gives a rip about them. And, but how, how are we going to do this? Not only that, Lord, if, if we do this... This will take years. Frankly, it's going to take a career. It's going to take a lifetime. And I can't do it. I know my wife, she's a physician too, and she's back home, and she's, she's you know, doing well in her practice as well. But I have to recruit some others and nurses and, and people like that. I mean, where do you begin? You know, we can't pay the kind of salaries that you would back home. <laughs> and Lord... Jesus, are you still there? And Lord, what about this heat? Minor detail. 52 degrees Celsius during the summertime. I know, I've been there a number of times. And there are no air conditioners or even swamp coolers, and the electricity hardly works here. And that wind. Now, my wife has lovely skin, and... No amount of oil of Olay will even take care of that. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, what, what about my CPP? Minor detail. My old age. And then, you know, I've got to leave this place and go back and then talk to my colleagues. 
Kennedy, have you become mental that you actually hear Jesus talk to you? What would they say? Have you lost it? I mean, having a conversation with Jesus, like two ways. What should I do? Frankly, I'm kind of afraid to throw all that away. You know, Jesus, I would have to live to be forgotten. Oh, yeah, so, so that you will be remembered, Jesus. What should I do? And in that stillness, silence, he hears that voice, a deep impression in his heart. It says, Patrick, take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. And come, follow me. It'll be one of your greatest adventures ever. And by the way, I said and promised you'll never be alone. I will be with you to the ends. Do you know what happened? He actually got out of the boat and moved to Alain. They set up a little clinic called Oasis Hospital. And with the love and compassion of Jesus Christ, they started to care for those dear children, those families. And in a very short period of time, mortality rates plummeted. And the levels and care was such that we started to meet normal international standards. Wonderful. And others joined him. Oh yeah, in case you're getting a little bored, you could use your smartphone and type in Alain Oasis Hospital, just in case you... Click on images, too. Okay, so it was 20 years ago. You say, like, how do you fit into this? 20 years ago, you see a community of people, you're part of it, uh, upper room, a group of people like you guys, and I love you guys. Thank you for your giving a care for this community, but you care for the whole world, for God so loved the whole world. Actually sent people to that part of the world because there are not many that even know Christ. Dr. Kennedy, in his lifetime, hardly saw any be a person become a, a follower of Christ, but they appreciated what happened. No doubt he thought, really, was this worth it? <laughs> so about 20 years ago, we showed up, and some of the people that, that you might know from our little group, the Alliance. And I'm so thankful for our little group. And we arrived there and there we find ourselves 
just under the Burj Al Arab, that seven-star hotel in Dubai, we didn't stay there. $3,700 US a night. Uh, basic room. Uh, no, no, at the base. And at that time, from the Burj Al Arab outward, it was primarily desert. We met a, another gentleman, his name was Carl. Carl Sherbrooke, and he was heading off because he had replaced Dr. Kennedy, and he was going back to the, to the States, and he said, you guys are actually wanting to come here. Nobody wants to come to this part of the world. <laughs> you actually want to come? Wonderful. We've got a group of, of followers of Christ meeting in a villa, four services, 120 of us in their tight. <laughs> but you know what? I had a conversation with that Sheikh Zayed. It wasn't in a Bedou tent. Now, we've got some nice buildings here in Canada. There's no palace as nice as the one in which he lives. Oh, yeah, end of 1959, there was a minor detail that happened in that part of the world. Little test on geography and world events. What happened? Oil, minor detail. <laughs> and now it's an architect's dream world, and it's an engineer's nightmare. See that building? Build it. Can't be done. Build it. Money is not an issue. So Carl ends up in the palace of Sheikh Zayed, invited by the Sheikh. I hear you're going back home. You know, when we had nothing and the world didn't care. Our own people groups didn't even care. You guys actually came over here and set up a, a clinic, a hospital. And you could actually go in that hospital right today, and you will see the pictures of even my, my sons and my daughters, the sheikahs and the sheikhs, who were born in that little hospital. I wanted to say thank you. Is there, is there something I can do for you before you go back home? And Carl is, mm, courage. Jesus, what do you say? Sheikh Zayed, is there a possibility that we could have a piece of land, you may buy a piece of land, where we could build a, a church? Come back in a week. A week later, yes, I give you land. How much will that be? I said, I give you the land. So here's Carl Sherbrooke, ourselves, Jim Foster, Raul Santos. We're in the car, and we're driving out into the middle of the desert to a hill called Jebel Ali, 12 miles out into the middle of nothing. I'm thinking, great, <laughs> thanks so much. Let's ask for something. No, no, just, just be thankful. We moved a team over there. We thought, oh, wow, be able to build some, some building. You know, you're dealing with building stuff here. <laughs> what, how can we do this? We're just 120 people. Let's, let's talk to Jesus. Now remember those prayer meetings. Lord, what should we do? Take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. Build big, by the way. Really? Did we hear that correctly? 
we talked about that. It was a presentation on one of our assemblies with our family. We came up with 30000 and that was so appreciated. But they said, let's build something. And they built a building in Dubai, Dubai Evangelical Community Center. You can Google that one, too. Um, $3 million, not the, pro the building. By the way, it seats uh, 2,000 people in three sanctuaries. I was there recently, and I hope you get to see that place. 21 congregations. Thousands and thousands. And by the way, it's not in the middle of nowhere. Now you have one of the world's nicest shopping malls right beside it, the Ibn Battuta Mall, where five sections of the mall are built like Andalusia, Egypt, Persia, India, and China. You feel like you're there. Unbelievable. And the most amazing Starbucks. <laughs> Donna, <laughs> you love that one. Amazing place. And right beside that property, they're finishing up the world's largest airport with seven or six parallel runways. And it doesn't snow there. Uh, recently, our team who was very involved with that um, got a call. And with another group of followers of Christ, the son of Sheikh Zayed, for Sheikh Zayed had passed away, okay, uh, said, you know that little hospital? I was born in that one. Would you build a bigger hospital? And, oh, thanks. Uh, see the architects? Think big, think bold, huh? So he said, $40 million. We thought, well, that's good. He says, I said, think big, think bold. <laughs> $80 million. No, come on. Good hospital. $120 million. Don't start breaking out of sweat. I'm not here to ask for money. $200 million. And it's built. And in that hospital, every week, Bibles, CDs of the story that you will be watching, even on Netflix, of Christ coming. And team members who, with the love and compassion of Jesus Christ, are there to care for it. And by the way, at the entrance of this hospital, you'll see this sign, and I can show it to you on my iPad, to provide top-quality international health care, that's the mission, with the love and compassion of Jesus Christ. Did I see that in your hospital here the other day? No. Uh, could we have the next slide, please? Thank you. There it is. Minor detail. And you don't have to pay for it. <laughs> next slide, please. Thank you. And here is Dr. Kennedy and doctor, his wife, and Sheikh Zayed. This is a little tyke there that just threw 200 million bucks. And another physician that came along. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, Dubai Evangelical uh, Church Community Center. Oh, yeah, a little story. 11,000 people from mainland China 
come to Christ just over there in the last 10 years. What? You know the Burj Khalifa, the world's tallest building? The most, one of the managers. Women who work in the duty-free zone. I remember going out with one of our workers under a street lamp because they work 12 hours a day, six days a week, and under a street lamp, there you are, and at 10 o'clock at night, they have a little service. There were about 45 Chinese ladies, 20 to 30-ish. And there they were, and our workers who speak the Mandarin and all that doing their thing. And then it's testimony time. And this person says, yeah, I met Jesus. I never even heard there was a God, but now I know, and there's something. And I actually did something stupid. I had a conversation with him, and and my life's never the same. Another girl stands up. What's she saying? Um, oh, she says, um, three months ago, she was what? She, oh, she's going to what? Hang herself? What? She'd been working here for, in Dubai, saying goodbye to her family for five years. Her husband was supposed to care for the little guy and the house. And then she gets word because you have to work a seventh day to buy the SIM card to make the phone call back home. But anyways, minor detail. She heard that somehow he had been fooling around, so to speak, and wasn't taking care of the little one. Grass growing up in the whole place. She says, I've given my life for the whole family, and there's nothing. Who even cares that I exist, whether I live or die? And there in a little place where so many of these foreign workers, six people in a little room, week in and week out, in that kind of blistering heat. She says, is it worth it? But one of my friends here came and talked to me and said, you know what, you're never alone. There's a God. And he came to this earth, and his name is Jesus. And if you ask him into your life, and if you ask him to forgive you for the wrong you'll do, and ask him to take your life, he will give you peace and joy and purpose despite the difficulties in life. And you know what? Here I am three months later, and I can say I'm the happiest person. Really, Nothing's changed back home. But I talk to a living God, and Christ has changed my life. And I have hope, and I have purpose, and I have peace, and I have a new family here, and here they are, under a street lamp, in Dubai, in a God-forsaken seeming place for her, but yet it's home. And that's what Christ does. And the stories are myriad, and they have Chinese New Year. You just celebrated it, right? <laughs> and Mid-Autumn Festival, we get tons of these buses, 10 at a time, and come in and jam that place back, feed the people, workers who couldn't pay the money to go back to mainland China. And for the first time, after all kinds of Chinese dancing and Kung Fu and all this type of stuff, unbelievable, yes, I feel at home. But they hear about Jesus, who transcends all cultures and all needs and touches the lives of people. It's beautiful. Unbelievable. And if you go to that church building, could I have the next slide, please? Thank you. Here's another one. This one's in Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi Evangelical Church. Google it. Click on images. 52 congregations. And it's like in front of 
your church here, you have a list, and you can see it. 52. And they don't all speak the same language. Some come from Pakistan, Afghanistan, Tibet. Some come from China, uh, Nepal. Some come from Europe. Some come from North America, some South Africa, Morocco, Middle East, all over, all kinds of language. Tagalog. Uh, you name it. And they have the list of all those people, and they gather together like you are gathering. Only you can't have long-winded preaches because you only have one hour before the next group comes in. Get out, because they got to come in. All kinds of styles and means and methods. Amazing. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people coming to that part of the world. Okay, put it together. So here's a Dr. Kennedy back then. And he says to himself, what? Jesus? Are, are you actually asking me to come and work with these people? And as far as he thought, number one, it can't be done. Number two, have I lost my mind? But somehow, he looks at Christ on those waves of impossibilities, the seething water and doubts round about him. And he says, no matter what, I will look at you. And he gets out of that boat and walks on water. And in his lifetime, he didn't see much. But history tells us, and we've seen it and been involved, that Christ says, I love people. And I will love and care for them. Would you come and join me in this most amazing privilege and opportunity to go to parts of the world? And by the way, the world has come here, and you have to cross those bridges to these wonderful new people. We have one of the greatest gifts in Canada that the world has come here. What an opportunity! If yesterday's dreams have become today's realities, why then can't today's God-given dreams become tomorrow's realities? But you've got to risk a bit. Beginning of baseball season, isn't it? You can't steal second if you keep your foot on first. And harbors are safe places, but that's not why boats were built for. Decisions determine destiny. And what we do in life will echo in eternity. And you say, who am I? I'm just insignificant. No, every single person is being created in the image of God. And he loves you. And he cares for you. And through you, he would like you to be the light of your world and the world. Now, you have to have that conversation with Jesus first. Perhaps... You're here for the very first time this morning. And you say, what are these? These are strange words. Taken. But trust. Have that conversation, not with me, but with Jesus, who is alive today. And there's 2.3 billion people around the world that are having those conversations. To trust Christ is not risky. Not to do so is risky. 
perhaps you've attended here for some time and, you know, there's the religious service. That's, that's nice. But you haven't had a real conversation with Jesus. I mean, where it matters. For some time, it's okay. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Come to me with whatever you have. But Jesus, you, you know the things I've been doing. I, I just feel uncomfortable in your prayer. Just come to me. I love you. I forgive you. I want to be your best friend. Or perhaps you're here this morning and you say, you know, somebody did something to me. It's unforgivable. And I can't get over it. And you're probably right. But Jesus will help you. It's impossible. It can't be done. I understand. But with God, all things are possible. And Jesus delights to do that for you. Defining moments. Conversations with Jesus. Your life is significant to him for eternity. And Dr. Kennedy stepped out of the boat. Peter stepped out of the boat. And by God's grace, you as a collective group are stepping out of the boat to reach out to these oh, exploited people here. God bless you. And don't be afraid. And with the words ringing in your ears, Take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. Do that which Jesus would ask you to do. You say, I'd like to have a talk with him this morning. I'd be delighted to pray with you or one of the pastors or other people. But I want to have a real long one. Go back to your home. Go to your bedroom. Close the door. Shut off the media. Turn the light out and have that conversation. It will transform your life as it did my life in Montreal where I was speaking at age 16. Just last week I was speaking there and I just thought, thank you, Jesus. It changed my life. Decisions determine destiny. And what we do in life for him will echo in eternity. Upper room, community, church. Uh, God bless you. Thanks for what you've done over the years. Don't be weary in well-doing. For in due season, we will give up. We will reap. We don't give up. Collectively, take courage. And as individuals, have that conversation with Jesus. It will be a defining moment. God bless you.